0: real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugal Preneur podcast. I am your host Sarah St. John and my guest today is the podcast host of Kate's Take and the other half of Entrepreneurs on Fire with John Lee Dumas. Welcome to the show Kate Erickson. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. For people who aren't familiar with your story, can you give a little bit of your background and how you got from corporate all the way to entrepreneurs on fire?
1: Yeah. yeah, well it certainly was not a straight path. I grew up very career-minded, you know, went to college, graduated, thought that I would get a job in what my college degree was in and that didn't happen. I was a English degree major, went and got my graduate degree, wanted to be a teacher and I ended up in banking. So there you go. And off the back of banking, I mean I've literally held any banking job you can imagine. I've been a teller, I've been a new accounts person, I've been a commercial loan processor, I've worked in HR departments, like any part of the bank, I've been that- there and that was never like my favorite thing to do but I happened to be really good at it and I'd been doing it for such a long time that I was actually kind of quote-unquote climbing the corporate ladder so I thought I was doing good then I realized that my day-to-day was not what I wanted it to be I quit my job I tried to start my own business And that failed. I went six months of like, whoa, starting your own business is really hard. Being an entrepreneur is really hard. And I didn't have a paycheck anymore. So (laughs) I decided I better go back and get a job. And while I was working and making money, I could kind of figure out on the side what entrepreneurship was all about. So I did that. After I went back and got that job, I'd been working there for about a year when John, my other half, decided to start this podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire. It kind of took off and he asked me to join the team. So, my second dive into entrepreneurship was leaving my job and joining him as part of the team at Entrepreneurs on Fire. And that was in 2013.
0: Two wow, almost 10 years. Almost <laughs> 10 years, yeah. So, I'm I'm curious, how did y'all meet in the first place and when?
1: So, John and I met in 2000 and Ten. I moved in next door to him in a studio apartment complex. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it was a very random happenstance. Like I was looking at probably six or seven different condo units to move into. This was in San Diego. And I happened to choose a unit that was right next door to him. So we met, we became good friends over like a year's period of time, started hanging out a lot, you know, started switching friend groups and stuff like that. And then John decided to move back to Maine, which is his hometown. And when he announced that he was leaving, I thought like, oh man, I like this guy. is more than a friend like I don't want him to leave and I was really sad about him moving to Maine so we decided to start a relationship from opposite sides of the country <laughs> which today I as you could see worked out very well
0: <laughs> yeah exactly And y'all recently got married as well so congratulations we
1: did. yes thank you so much
0: wow yeah I didn't know the backstory there so I was just kind of curious but kind of speaking along those lines what is it like to build a business with a partner? Because a lot of people with a romantic partner, I guess I should say, versus like a friend or something. I don't think that's really a topic that's really touched on a whole lot, like what kind of struggles there might be or what the pros and cons would be.
1: Yeah, that was absolutely on my mind heading into it. When John first asked me if I wanted to quit my job and join the team, at that time, we were living together in Maine. So after we did long distance, he asked me to move to Maine. I did which is when I quit my job and tried to start my own entrepreneurial journey just for timing purposes to tie that together. And when he asked me to join the team, I was very concerned about what that was gonna do our personal relationship. I'd never worked with the person that I was dating. That was always kept very separate. And I thought that that's kind of the way that it was supposed to be. There seemed like there could be a lot of potential downsides to working together. We don't agree on something in business, then it affects our personal relationship and and yada, yada, yada. But we kind of came around to the idea after sitting down and really talking through what each of us was best at. And we realized that each of us is really good at opposite things. So that working together, we'd be able to kind of like stay in our own lane. I do what I'm best at. He does what he's best at. Those happen to complement each other very, very well. Both of us are very independent people. So we don't tend to rely on each other for... Yeah, of course, we have like brainstorming sessions, we make big business decisions together, but we don't have to rely on each other for what we're going to get done on a day to day basis, which is very helpful. But of course, as entrepreneurs, and as you know, you are very passionate about your business. And sometimes your business becomes your life in a lot of ways. And so we've always been very careful to just keep very open lines of communication. We have a rule that when the quote unquote work day is over. That if one of us doesn't want to talk about business, like we're not allowed to. So if John brings up an idea or I want to brainstorm something, either of us can veto that and say, like, no, this is not time to talk about business. Like we're hanging out and, as a couple and we're having dinner and this is supposed to be romantic I don't want to talk about business (laughs) so just little things like that that we put into place but you know I really think it goes back to like that foundational piece of really identifying and both being on board with what our roles in the company were going to be and just being very straightforward and clear about that I think has made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think working in business with your significant other is for everyone. So there's Mm -hmm. that too.
0: (laughs) At least I guess the one benefit that a lot of people who are in business who have a spouse or significant other who's not in business with them, one benefit of being in business together is you don't have to deal with the other person not understanding getting upset with the time that you're taking for your business and that you're not spending enough time with them and all this stuff.
1: That's huge. That's really huge. I I know a lot of people who kind of have that struggle in their relationship. And that's one of my favorite parts about it, honestly, is that we're on the same page, we get why each other is so excited about the things we're excited about and why we get frustrated about the things we get frustrated about. And really having like that shared common goal and vision, I think has brought has made our personal relationship a lot stronger. So I think that the benefit of that does really like kind of keep on giving.
0: And so what do you do with Entrepreneurs on Fire? You do like the content creation and then do you do like all the scheduling kind of help manage his schedule? Because I know he has a really intense podcast schedule where he has like meetings, boom, boom, boom and in any given day.
1: Yeah. So that would actually the scheduling was one thing when we were talking about like what me working with him in the business was going to look like, that was one thing where I was like, I don't want to manage your schedule. (laughs) So I don't do that. But I do do a lot of the back end stuff. So content, I manage our team. A lot of the systems that we have in place, I help set up and keep those running. In terms of just overall, what it looks like behind the scenes is... To simplify it big time is that John comes up with a lot of really great big ideas, and we talk through those and see which of those are actually viable or worth pursuing. And once we land on an idea that's worth pursuing, I figure out how to make it work. So that's kind of like the different. And of course, you know, he is doing the podcast. He's the face and the voice of the business. But he, I mean, luckily, John is also incredible at systems and discipline and focus. So the scheduling aspects of that, we do have three virtual team members and one of our virtual team members is like a dedicated virtual assistant to John. So she helps with a lot of like scheduling, making sure interviews are going live when they're supposed to, making sure the right person is on the mic at the right time and and all of that stuff. So we do have really incredible support from our virtual team for some of those like scheduling and uploading and, and double
0: checks, if you will. Okay, that's interesting, because for some reason I thought maybe you were doing all that, but that's nice to have a virtual assistant handling that aspect. Um, so you had mentioned systems and processes, and I know that's kind of the big topic of your podcast, Kate's Take. I mean, I, that, I know that's such a broad topic, but when someone is starting a business or already has a business... And they're just kind of, say they're like a solopreneur, at least initially. What kind of tips or advice would you have on like just streamlining Mm -hmm. that process? And And maybe then at what point do you know it's time to hire a virtual assistant?
1: Yeah, I I think it's probably one of the biggest struggles people face as they start their own business. And I really think that out the foundation, it's about time management, really. It's about evaluating your time, how much of it you have, and setting realistic expectations for what you can take on and what you can accomplish. It really sounds like super simple. But within that, you really help set yourself up for success by not overwhelming yourself, by not taking on too much and then being frustrated or disappointed at your lack of progress and just being able to set a realistic picture for okay you know what's my goal over the next 6 months and being able to in a more attainable way break that down and and actually be working towards it on a daily basis to accomplish it so i think that's probably the biggest thing systems aside really because until you have that part of it down you can't really create systems out of Trying to accomplish a million things at the same time. So, I really like to focus on setting a goal and then being able to break that goal down into micro goals. What are the steps you have to take to accomplish that? And then, within those steps, being able to identify types of systems you can create to help you. When we talk about systems, you know, some of like the most common systems that I see people creating for their business and that I think are most powerful are things like a system for your content creation. So if you're a podcaster, if you're a blogger, if you're creating videos, content creation is incredibly time consuming. We all know this, right? But it's also one of the most important things that you can do in your business for inbound, you know, lead generation, for awareness, for authority, for credibility, for growing an audience and being able to engage with them and understand better what it is they want and they need what they want and need. Because only then are you able to create like those paid services products and things that people actually pay you money for. So at a baseline, I would say anyone who's starting out, anyone who feels like they kind of understand the importance of systems and they want to start creating that, to think about how you create a system around your content. And again, it really goes back to the time management. I think that the very first step that you can take in terms of creating a system around your content, It's starting to batch your time so that you are doing similar tasks in time blocks so that you're able to get into a rhythm, gain momentum. You'll work way more efficiently and effectively on a task if you're focused on that one thing and doing multiples of it versus doing one thing and then switching to something else and then switching to something else. So from a podcasting perspective, that might look like setting up a time block that's one hour time block once per day. And whatever hour works for you in your schedule, because we all have different commitments and things going on in our lives. But if you just schedule one hour a day, and one day that one hour is for research for your podcast, the topics that you're going to talk about or the guests that you're going to have on your show, and then maybe you do that for 10 different episodes, and then the next day that hour is used for outreach. So that hour is just you reaching out to those people that you researched the day before and inviting them on your show. And then the next day is maybe creating the outlines for those 10 episodes. The next day is recording those 10 episodes. The next day is editing and uploading and scheduling those episodes. So you kind of start to see that in batching your time and doing like tasks together, you're able to accomplish way more in less time with so fewer distractions and frustration over like man, I feel like I've been spinning my wheels for an hour and I haven't really accomplished anything. If you're able to set up little micro goals like that, you can see in just one week you can create content for 10 episodes if you're disciplined and focused with your time.
0: Yeah, I was going to actually mention that about batching because I know that John does that obviously with his podcast where he does several interviews in one day. Now, how does that work? Is that one day a month? He does all the interviews for like that. I forget how that, I think he's broken it down before, but I can you refresh your memory?
1: Yeah, for sure. So it's a seven day a week podcast. So one day a week, he interviews seven people. And so that is kind of the rotation. We're always at least a month ahead. So right now, like we have interviews scheduled in our hosting platform, like into, you know, next month and well beyond, but still every single week, he's doing seven interviews. Those seven episodes are being edited and uploaded. And so we're always staying a month ahead plus work. And that's the thing, right? Like you get ahead on your content. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm ahead a month. Like now I get time to do other things. And then you forget to keep creating. It has to be a consistent schedule where you're continuing to do that on an ongoing basis. Otherwise, you're going to slip back into like, okay, cool, I'm a month ahead, but then a month from now, I'm going to have nothing and I'm going to be really hard-pressing to create more content because it goes live tomorrow. Whereas when you have that recurring repetitive batching schedule, once a week, you do those seven interviews. And if you're a month ahead, you will always be a month ahead.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's right. One day a week for... And then when he's a guest on other shows, I think that's the one day a month. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I actually tried it during COVID when we all had more time and we're at home doing nothing. There was one day in particular where I interviewed... I think I did six podcasts that day. But my podcasts are... I'm trying to get them down now below uh, under like 30 minutes. But at that time, they were more like 45 minutes to an hour. So it was like this full-blown day. And I was exhausted. And then I've... Since then, I've done like maybe two to four in a given day but even that I'm like I feel like the most I can do is like two or three
1: I'm with you Sarah I totally feel the same way I really think that it's building up to that I mean John certainly never started out interviewing seven people in one day he could barely do one in one day before he was like what am I doing wrong? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I definitely think it's something that to build up to if you want to. And I really don't think it's for everyone, right? Like, daily content creation is not for everyone. So I, I'm with you. I don't know that I could ever do more than four in a day. That's kind of my limit where I start to black out a little bit and I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> so I, I think that for anyone thinking about batching their content... I gave the example of doing 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. It could be 2, 2, 2, 2, 2. It's just really about finding what feels right for you. The key is being consistent about it. Yeah, and I found that doing
0: that many... I wouldn't lose my voice, but it would just be tired or feel scratchy. and Yep. Okay, so as far as batching goes, really, like you just said, you could probably spend a whole day, like one day a month, working on all the graphics, for example, or all the blog posts (laughs) for that next month. Do you recommend that kind of a system or having an hour each day doing this thing and next hour doing this thing? Like every day you're doing maybe five or ten different things, but they each have an hour, let's say versus like one day you're spending eight hours doing one thing.
1: I really just think it depends on your schedule and the time that you have available. Because for some people, it's like, they maybe have kids at home and they don't, they're never going to have a day where there's eight hours, or maybe you have a job, maybe you work a nine to five job. And so that's why I start by recommending like the one hour time block because I think that one, not, I think I know that one hour is attainable, no matter what, because you can wake up an hour earlier and have that hour. Anyone can do that. But I know that not everybody can just have like an eight hour day where they're fully focused on that. So Hey, if you can, and you're willing to set aside a day on the weekend, maybe where or you hire a sitter or whatever the case may be, maybe your partner takes the kids for the day. I'm all about going like full blown and doing as much as you can do. But again, I think it goes back to being realistic too. like, can you really focus for eight hours and get the amount of work done that you want to? Or would it be better for you just in terms of your ability to focus and concentrate to break that up into maybe four different days you have two hour blocks or something? So I definitely encourage people to test it out and see because for some people, those eight hours could be incredibly effective. For other people, it's just not going to work. So
0: Mm -hmm. don't be discouraged by one or the other. Just find what works for you. Everyone's different. So everyone has to kind of find their groove. Are there any particular software programs that you recommend that you use to run your business and kind of streamline that process?
1: Yeah, Asana is a big one for me. ASANA, it's a task and project management system. I've said it on an interview before and someone's like, I don't understand how Asana like sauna, like a hot room is helping you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now I always spell it out when I say it, but
1: I think you're familiar
0: with Asana, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been using Airtable, but yeah. Airtable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, there are so many great, it blows my mind versus 10 years ago. There are so many options, a lot of really great software out there. Trello, Basecamp, Asana, Airtable, ClickUp. I could go on and on Monday there are so many different great task and project management platforms and places that can help you build systems and add videos and steps and all of these things. Again, I'll go back to try a couple of them out and see which one works best for you. I love the simplicity of Asada. I use it as like a very straightforward, simple task management program. So anytime I have something that I know I need to do, I add it to my sonnet and I give it a due date. If it's a recurring task that I do every day, I set it to recur and remind me every single day. And then I know that I have that go-to place. So every single morning when I get to my computer, I open two things, my calendar, and, my Asana. and in my calendar, I have a very quick visual look at any meetings I have scheduled, time that I have blocked off to work on a particular task, maybe personal errands or, or a dinner that I'm doing or whatever it might be. So that immediately can visually help me set my day up for success by understanding what I'm committed to. And then opening up my asana kind of gives me like that zoomed in view of like, okay, I'm sorting my tasks by the tasks that are due today. That's all I'm focused on. If it's due tomorrow or next week, I'm not thinking about it. I'm not focused on it. And that allows me to just get into the zone of focus really quickly and just say, okay, this is my first task. I'm going to work on this for the next 25 minutes. I set a timer for 25 minutes and then I move on to the next thing. So that's kind of my day to day time management system that I have going and. I really think that it's just about getting into the habit of using a program like that. Once you start putting stuff in and and setting those recurring tasks, maybe something once a week, maybe something once a month, like I have a lot of monthly tasks that come up. After I finish them, I click complete. Asana automatically recreates that task and it's due again in a month from now. So I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about forgetting about it. I don't have to remember when it's due. It's just always going to tell me. Yeah,
0: that has more capabilities than I was aware of. I might have to check that out again because I did kind of compare and contrast the different ones and Mm -hmm. anyway awesome well just to change this is totally changing gears but when we were at podcast movement where we met in person I think I had briefly asked you about Puerto Rico moving to Puerto Rico and like the pros and cons and things like that and I'm just kind of curious since I don't really know anyone else who has done that if you could explain the reason why you moved and the pro if there are any cons I don't know but the pros and the cons.
1: Yeah, definitely. First off, it was awesome hanging out with Podcast Movement. I had a ton of fun. That was really cool because we've communicated so much online. So it's always fun to meet up in person. And hopefully we'll be seeing each other in a few months at PodFest as well. Yeah, definitely. So Puerto Rico, we moved to Puerto Rico in 2016. This being the Frugal Pioneer podcast, this is a great topic of conversation because we moved for multiple reasons. We're adventurous people. We are location independent, so we have the ability to make a move like that. We also love to travel and living in San Diego, we were making a really long tracks to do something like Europe. Puerto Rico is way closer and it's really super easy to travel on and off from. And number three, where the frugal for newer part comes into play is the taxes. So there's a tax incentive program in Puerto Rico, where if you move your business down here, check a few your tax payments are cut drastically compared to in California, for example, we were paying the federal tax plus a state tax. In Puerto Rico, for our business, we just pay a flat 4% tax. So it allowed us to make a huge financial difference in our lives. We're actually able to start keeping the money that we make versus paying a majority of it to taxes. And of course, it's not about not contributing to society and paying our dues. We certainly do that. We pay a state tax in Puerto Rico. We are infusing the economy here. We're creating jobs in Puerto Rico and we're stimulating the economy here, which was the point of that tax act when it started and still is today. So those are the reasons why we decided to make the move. We literally sold everything. We packed four or five suitcases. (laughs) We flew to Puerto Rico. I'd never been to the island before. We said that we would stay for only as long as we felt like we should be here. And we've been here for six years, so we love it. <laughs> we found an awesome community here, which is one of the huge pros of being here. The island's beautiful. The culture is amazing. We've had a lot of fun just immersing ourselves in a totally different day-to-day life than what we were living back in San Diego. The community that we live in is really beautiful. A lot of other entrepreneurs who have moved here do the same thing with their business. We've met a ton of local Puerto Ricans who run their own businesses and who are doing amazing Amazing things and who don't run their own businesses and who are also doing amazing things. So it's really been great for all of those reasons. The cons is as an entrepreneur who really likes to get stuff done and be super efficient, island time is a real thing. So a lot moves quite slow. It's a different pace. There are some pros to that too, right? Like it's kind of allowed us to take a step back and see things from a different light, but it can be a bit frustrating at times of just, we're used to a a faster pace, John coming from the East Coast. And even in San Diego too, like just getting things done was a lot more seamless, I guess you could say. But that has also taught me a lot of patience. It's given me a new perspective, which I'm grateful for. So there's a lot that we really, really love about it. And again, it's easy to get on and off the island. So visiting family and traveling and all of that, and our family loves coming down here. We like can't stop our family from being here multiple times a year, which is a huge plus because that was one of my biggest concerns when we moved is like, I'm really close to my family. John's really close with his family, but that has not been an issue at all.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. So with it being a U.S. territory, I mean, they wouldn't even need passports, I guess. Right, right. Or and not with a- it's U.S. dollars and all that.
1: Yeah. And that was another huge pro to it too, because we had looked at living internationally and giving that a go. And a lot of like the visa process and running a business from another country, like there are so many considerables when you're looking at doing something like that. So the fact that Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, don't need a passport, all U.S. citizens, like everything is pretty much the same as it is in the States, with the exception of a few Differences, But from the perspective of visas and everything like that, it's not an issue. So that's a, definitely a pro.
0: And then as I understand it, you actually only have to live there six months of the year. So you could have a house somewhere in the continental U.S. or whatever, in the 50 states, but still only be paying the 4% tax?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a professional like tax act person for Puerto Rico and the laws are constantly changing. So definitely seek legal advice if you're looking for the straight and narrow on this. But more or less, yes, you have to spend 183 days here, so six months of the year. And there are some rules around not having stronger ties in the states than you do here. So there are some considerables there in terms of like owning property and how much time you spend in any one place. But again... I'm not a lawyer. So if anyone's interested in looking into it, I, I certainly know of people who have properties elsewhere and are making it work.
0: Yeah. And I know you have a blog post on EO Fire that I'll link to in the show notes that gives a lot more detail about your experience moving there. And then I'll have links to your podcast as well as EO Fire. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we hadn't yet?
1: I don't think so. That's been a great conversation. I've
0: really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I enjoyed having you on. And again, if you want to check out Entrepreneurs on Fire, you go to eofire.com. And the show notes will be at com forward slash Kate. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack. Connect with fellow listeners